take the coal, cleanse my lips, Lord, here I am. Amen? Amen. As we lift our hands right now and go in, go in to hear what thus saith the Lord. Lord, we are here. We are assembled in your presence to hear what thus saith the Lord. To take us where you want us to go. Leading us, guiding us into the place where our blessings will flow. I thank you, Father God, that you've given me this opportunity to stand before your people. To give them what you have given to me. To say to them what you have said to me. Because, Father God, it's a living word. It's a word that is able to change us, to make us into the people that you've called us to be. And I thank you for it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'll say this for, for those that are on Facebook with us, that I'm not Pastor Steve. I'm not Pastor Steve. He, he's away, so you get me. Hallelujah. You get me. Hallelujah. And for those of you who are my friends who um, and I teach with, don't be scared. I didn't use any of your stuff, I don't think. You know, because that's usually why people don't talk to me. They're afraid that at some point in my life or some point in their lives, all of a sudden, a teaching's going to come, and they're going to be used as an example in that teaching. I make no guarantees this morning, because we're going to go where God has decided that we should go this morning. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to start off with what I call the cornbread story. And I've used this story before, but in a different angle. I was making cornbread. I decided one night I wanted cornbread, and I was using Jiffy. Uh, how many of you know about Jiffy cornbread, okay? Yeah, so you're not judging me because it wasn't homemade. That's the first thing. But it was a Jiffy mix. So I get out the Jiffy mix. I get the eggs. I get everything out, and Jiffy calls for oil, and it's usually Crisco oil, some kind of corn oil in that respect. I didn't have any. So, in my infinite wisdom, I go, well, I got olive oil. How bad can it be? For those of you cooks who are out there, you know how bad it could be. It was awful. There was no taste. There was nothing. So not only did I do what was convenient because it was convenient for me, because I had all the ingredients right there and it was convenient for me to not get in my car and go to the store and find some Crisco oil. I had it in the house. So I compromised and I put in olive oil, baked it up. It looked okay. Didn't look great, but it looked okay. How bad could it be? Let me tell you. It was pretty bad. I put it in my mouth and went, what in the world is this? It had no taste whatsoever. It was awful. 
It was awful. But what I had done was it was convenient. And you'll see that the title of this is The Cost of Convenience. It was convenient for me. So the cost to the cornbread story was the cost of all those ingredients that I put in there and then threw out. And I didn't get my cornbread, which is what I wanted to begin with. Right? I had a bad taste in my mouth, so I wasn't really going to make any more at that point. I was scared. <laughs> now, for, for you men out there going, mm-hmm, how about the tool story? Let's use the butter knife to screw in something. Because we don't want to go to the toolbox or the drawer where the tools are kept and get the screwdriver. Or yet, let's, better still, let's use the flathead when it calls for a Phillips. Oh, this will work. This will be, so as you jam up the wall, jam up your hand, you just compromised for convenience purposes. Amen? Amen. We do it because we're like, I don't, I don't really feel like going to the tool drawer. I don't really feel like going wherever to do the right thing. But I'm here to tell you this morning that convenience will cost you. Amen? It's going to cost you. And as we get started, I wanted to give you the definition for convenience. Suitableness, a labor-saving device, a suitable time, or personal comfort ease. Now, a labor-saving device is not bad. None of this is bad. It's when it's convenient for your comfort is when we get into trouble with God. You know, because God, I'm telling you, God can be, and I don't mean this in a bad way or disrespectful, but God can be inconvenient. And I'm going to tell you how. When I started this teaching, it actually came about as pastor was teaching in Ezekiel. And if you look through the chapters we've gone through so far, Ezekiel spent days on his side. And then God told him, flip over and stay on the other side. God stuck his tongue to the roof of his mouth so he couldn't talk. How many of you know that's inconvenient? That's inconvenient. But Ezekiel did it. He didn't take the way of convenience like some of the people I'm going to show you did. But his personal comfort, I mean, how many of you sleep on your side all the time? Right. You might start out that way. You wind up on your back. You only, he had to spend, I believe it's a year on one side for the majority of the time. That's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. But he, did, he, didn't, he didn't look at his personal comfort, but looked at what the word of God said. If we go through our first example, we get Cain. All right. In Genesis 4, 3, it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. So Cain did what was easier or more comfortable for him bringing the fruit of the ground as an offering. When in this case, the offering that God was looking for was the offering of blood, of sacrifice. But Cain goes, well, 
I got this fruit here. And it may have been the best fruit in the world. He goes, I'll give this to God. It was convenient. It's what he had. It's what he had. Now, he may have had to go to his brother and go, yo, Abel, I need a lamb. No, it appears to me as I was looking through this, he didn't want to talk to Abel, evidently, and get the lamb. He goes, you know what? That's inconvenient for me to find Abel somewhere out there in the field somewhere and get this lamb. But I got this fruit. I think I'll give that to God. It was convenient for him. It was more comfortable for him. It was easier for him. David, as we go into 2 Samuel eleven two, it says, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. David, and if you read this some more, and we'll get to this, he has slept all day. It says he rose in the evening. <laughs> How many of you just like sleeping all day? You know? And you get up in the evening. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was convenient. I mean, he the king for goodness sake. You sleeping all day. We're, we, you know, we are kings and priests and most of us don't sleep all day. We get up at some point. You know, there are times when we can sleep all day, like you're on vacation or whatever, and you just decide, I'm going to sleep all day. But that's because it's convenient for you. You don't have anything to do right then and there. Or you might have something to do and you decide, I'm just not going to do it. So I'm going to sleep all day. David slept all day. I used to think when I read this that he woke up and that she was out there bathing in the morning. But if you read further, she's bathing in the evening and he had just gotten up. So David sleeping the day away when it was time for kings to go to war. The scripture says that it was in the spring and it was at the time when kings went to war. But David sleeping all day. We get to Saul. Saul in 1 Samuel 13 was starting in 1. Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Gibeah. And the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it, and it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines, and the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came upon and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. 
As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. People are scared. They out here. The Philistines have said you're an abomination. And they're like, what in the world are we going to do? And Saul's someplace else, and they're hiding, and everybody is just afraid. Then he waited seven days according to this time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, (laughs) that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. He says, what have you done? Now we know that the offerings are to be done by the high priest, not the king. So Saul, because the people were making it uncomfortable for him, while he waited for Samuel to get there, he goes for convenience. He goes for the convenience. And the convenience is, well, I'll just do the sacrifice. You know, it's like, God will understand. We always say that. God will understand. He knows that's too hard for me. Even though he asked you to do it. If he asked you to do it, he's equipped you to do it. Never will he ask you to do what he has not equipped you to do. Or either to just step out on faith and know that the equipping is coming with the action. God doesn't do that kind of stuff. But, you know, he's out there. You know, we're supposed to go to war. We're supposed to wipe out these people. And everybody trembling. Okay, I can understand a little bit of, you know, okay, Lord, we're out here, you know. It's a little uncomfortable because they got a bunch of people and all this other stuff. But you told us to do this thing. If you told us to do this thing, we need to get an S on our chest and go ahead and do this thing. Because that's the kind of God we serve. You know, Keith started it out this morning when he was talking about, you know, the circumstances and this, that, and the other might not look all right. But we need to still be shabaking and praising and raising our hands and clapping our hands because we have triumphed gloriously through our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, you know, so Saul's out there. He goes, well, you know, these people, they're kind of getting a little nervous. Well, let me let me do the sacrifice. Because the whole convenience thing here, guys is they knew that you do the sacrifice, then the Lord is going to be with you. The Lord is going to be with you. Well, the Lord was with you when you went. Because he told you to go out there. So stand there and go, nope, I'm waiting for Samuel. No, he does the sacrifice because the people were making it uncomfortable for him. With a conven- when we get into convenience, it leads to compromise. It will always lead to compromise. Like I said, I compromised and used olive oil because it was convenient. I used the flathead. When I've got a perfectly good Phillips screwdriver in the toolbox, but I grabbed the flathead and I don't want to go back. It was convenient, so I compromised. 
So the definition of compromise is a settlement of differences reached by mutual concession, the agreement thus made to settle by compromise. So you settle it. You settle it. You settle it in your mind. It's okay. Now, my question is, do you ever go to God and go, is this okay? Because you know what you're going to get. Right? So you don't ever go to him and go, God, can we compromise? Can we talk about this? Can we? Because it says here in the definition, a settlement of differences reached by mutual concession. Mutual. Two, right? Okay, God, you said do this. Well, I'm not quite wanting to do it that way. How about we do it this way? What you going to get? No, this is the way I said do it. Amen? When he told Noah to build the ark, he Noah doesn't go, well, Lord, how about since it's never rained, we make the ark convertible? We don't put a roof on it. Since, you know, it's never rained before, you know, what is going to happen if we just don't put a roof on it? <laughs> how much fun that would have been. Amen. Amen. But that's what we do. We compromise, but not at no point do we go to God and ask him, is this compromise okay? Because it's for our convenience, not his. So we get, we get into convenience and it leads straight to a compromise. If we go back to Cain, and I'm going to use Cain, David, and Saul throughout this whole thing. There were many others and Daryl was teasing me saying, you know, these are all Old Testament. The Old Testament is fun. You just have to know how to read it. You just have to know how to read it. There's a great deal in there. Because a lot of people don't like the Old Testament. They like the New Testament. But I love the Old Testament because it's fun to read. And it gets you some interesting stuff. Amen? All right, so Cain. Cain in Genesis 4 Verses 5 and 7. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. First thing. Because that's not what he asked for. It's not what he asked for. He asked for a different offering. So when Cain bought it, in all his excitement probably, God goes, what is this? This isn't what I asked for. He didn't respect. Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Right then and there, he tells Cain, you've got power over this. This is on you. And you have power over this. This is on us. We have power over this. We don't have to compromise. We can, in fact, do what God has told us to do as long as it's not about our comfort and our ease. You know, because a lot of things are just about our comfort. Come into church. Jolly was talking about that. Like I said, everybody was trying to steal my thunder this morning. <laughs> Jolly was talking about church. It would have been extremely easy for them to stay home. After driving and dropping off, I call her praise, I know, dropping off praise at school. Or to stay there and just mosey on back here. 
But Jolly said, we got to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I love the Internet. Everybody that's watching us, I love you. Don't get me wrong. I love the Internet. But a lot of people are talking about, I don't need a church. I got the Internet. I can go to any church in the world. No. No. The word of God says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You can't be with me on the Internet. We can't talk. Yeah, we could text, but we can't talk. Your gift is home with you. My gift is here in Zoe Christian Fellowship. We can't share and fellowship together if you sitting in the, in, in the bedroom. And let me tell you something else about this convenience thing. You conveniently say, I'm going to church on the Internet. Okay. So you get up for a while. Then you go, why do I have to get up? I can just lay here. Amen. I'm going to just lay here and look at the service. How many of you doze off while you're just laying there? All right. You missed something. You missed something. And that something could have been for you. So, so, it, so I love, while I love the internet, it doesn't take the place of gathering together, but it's convenient. I woke up this morning. I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it. Now, I know that some people can't get out. They're housebound. So it's perfect. But for them able-bodied citizens where the Holy Ghost says, go to church, and they go, I'll go to church on the Internet. That is not what God said. God said, go to church. He said, go to church on the Internet. Now we get into, now we've compromised our giving. Because now I'm on the Internet. Who do I send my offering to who do I give my tithe to hmm well I think I'll just keep it and I think the last time I read the book it said when you uh, keep the tithe you robbing God not a good place to be so, so convenience will lead to this compromise. We see that King compromised and gave God what he wanted him to have. David in 2 Samuel 11, 1, this is what I, what I alluded to earlier. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. So David is king. It's spring. He should be out fighting. He sleep all day. <laughs> all day. So he has compromised what's supposed to happen. And further it says that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. So he doesn't send somebody else out to do his job. So not only is it convenient for you, and you've compromised, so you're still sleeping. Now you send some other people out there to do your job. Now, how many of you work hard every day? How many of you want to send somebody else out to do your job? <laughs> and still be king or still be paid? Because we still want to get paid at the end of the day, right? We still want all of that. But he compromises this 
and he sends out others to do his job. And it says they did what they supposed that what they were supposed to do, but David remained at Jerusalem. All right. Now David is a warrior king. He was always fighting. Him and his boys. I mean, they were at one time fighting so hard and so tough, the sword was like stuck to their hand. So he was always out there fighting. Now all of a sudden, he's laying around the crib. <laughs> he laying around the house. See? Sometimes when you're when it's convenient and you compromise, it gets you into trouble. And we're gonna get to that in a minute. All right, Saul performs the sacrifice, which was not his place as king. In 1 Samuel 13, 9, it says, So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the sacrifice. That wasn't his place. So he compromised because the people were making him uncomfortable. David compromised because, hey, it was spring. He had warred a lot. Maybe he thought, ah, I deserve a little break. That's not what the word said. The word said in the spring, kings go to battle. So what break are you talking about? And then Cain, as I said, he compromised and gave God what he wanted God to have. And sometimes we do the same thing. We give God what we want him to have versus what he's asked for. You know, he says to you, call someone. I love this one. He says, I want you, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of rises up and says, hey, give so-and-so a call. I think I'll text them. I think I'll text them. Well, God, I reached out, but I said, call. Well, texting's like calling. In what lifetime? But we're giving God what we want him to have because it's more convenient for us to text because one, if the person fixes up the phone, now you got to talk to them. And ain't no telling where that conversation going to go, right? But that's what God told you to do. God said, call them. There was a reason. And it may have been that they may not pick up the phone or they say, I don't have time right now. And I remember when it happened to me, you know, God had said to me, call so-and-so. And, -so. and I, I'm going to tell you guys, I, it wasn't that I compromised. I just dragged my feet on doing it. I just, I was like, Ugh. you know, because I thought this person spiritually didn't need to hear from me. I was like, why do I have to call them? I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I finally did call and I said, I'd like to pray with you. They told me no. <laughs> what? What? Wait, wait. This wasn't supposed to go that way. You, Lord, because after they tell me no, mind you, and I hang up, I get to walking and praying. Okay, Lord, you told me to call them. I expected to pray for them because I'm guessing that they needed prayer. They said no. What's that about? The Lord said to me, just as I heard it just as clear, that wasn't your responsibility. Your responsibility was to do what I asked you to do. Their response to what I asked you to do is not on you. You need to do what I 
said to do. After that, I was like, okay, as pastor says, that's management. That's management. So now when the Lord says to do something, and I'll admit, sometimes I miss, I go, that's management. Like, you know, we, we, I think I've told you guys my umbrella story before, and I didn't do the, take the umbrella. Car is wet, car is a mess, everything. And the next time, and I don't think I told you this, I did get, take an umbrella. You know what I did, right? I grabbed the umbrella on my way out the door. It wasn't raining, it wasn't, but I grabbed the umbrella. I grabbed the umbrella. Now, it rained later in the day, but, you know, I was like, I'm taking this umbrella. It was sunny. It was hot. I'm taking this umbrella. I don't care if people think I'm crazy. Like, they thought Noah was crazy. I don't care. But I'm not compromising. I am not for my convenience. Because, you know, it's inconvenient to carry an umbrella and it's sunny. (laughs) So, So we have to remember these things. And like I said, when you, when you go the convenience route and you compromise, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Cost me all my ingredients for my cornbread. Amen? Amen. It costs you when, you, when that screwdriver hits your hand because it doesn't go in and screw correctly and you like jumping up and down because now you done dug a hole in your hand and or what have you, or, or you use the hammer and you shouldn't have used the hammer and you hit your hand and, you know, you have nobody to blame but yourself. But, no, that's not how we have Lord, why'd you let this happen to me? And he's sitting there going, I told you what to do. So definition of cost is to require a specified amount in payment or cause to pay, suffer, or lose. Suffer or lose. I, I like that when I got to that point. I was like, yeah, boy. Mm, talk about losing and suffering. Cain, when he gets, when he decides that he's going to give up fruit, and he and the Lord have this dissertation, now he's angry. So in Genesis 4, verse 8, it says, Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Now, you can imagine how that conversation went, right? He goes, you know, I brought my offering to God. He didn't respect it. Cain goes, or Abel goes, I ain't had that problem. Because you know brothers. You know how brothers are, right? Because I had two. Some of you have more. You know what that conversation was like. Mm, Too bad for you. I told you not to take that fruit up in there. I was willing to give you an animal, but no, you know better. So, you know, he ain't got no sympathy for him. So now Cain double mad. He mad at God. Now he mad at Abel. (laughs) He just mad with the world in general. So what does he do? He kills him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. I am, am I my brother's keeper? Now he got an attitude. Now he got an attitude with God. 
And we do. We get mad. And when somebody calls us on our mad, then we got an attitude. You know, what? why are you asking me? You know, it's in the house with kids. Who broke that? Not me. Now, when you're an only child, that's a bad thing. Because no, even when I live alone, when I lose stuff, I lose stuff in my house, everybody. Okay? There's nobody there but me. I very rarely have a visitor. So if it's gone, I did it. But does that stop me from, like, finding complete strangers and going, have you seen my Amplified Bible in this church anywhere? That doesn't stop me. Knowing full well that the Amplified, when I found it, was at the nightstand next to the bed. I can't tell you how long I looked for that Amplified Bible. I was about ready to shake y'all all down. Make appointments at your house. And go, I know one of y'all got my Amplified up in here. It was on the nightstand by the bed. All right? So... So we get an attitude. So we got an attitude. In verse 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth. Here's the cost. Now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So now, since you are a farmer and the earth was just like, here, giving you fruit, you're going to have to work at it now. It's going to work against you because of what you've done. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. Now, and now he, he all sorry. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Yeah, okay. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. There's a cost. You, he is now hidden from the face of God. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Then Cain went out from the, oh, and the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So Cain murders his brother and was marked so that everyone knew what he had done. But we serve a gracious God. The mark saved his life. So that anyone who saw the mark knew not to touch him. That's the God we serve. Even though for his convenience, he gave God what he thought he should have. He compromised and said, here's some fruits and vegetables for you. And it cost him. However, the Lord was still merciful that it didn't cost him his life, even though he had killed his brother. Amen? Amen. So that's, that's what we have with King. And like I said, you know, he got all indignant about what was going on. And yet and still, our God was gracious. Our God is gracious. He's always gracious. Amen? Amen. Then we get to David. And in Second Samuel, 
verse 11, 27. It says, And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased God. It cost him the pleasure of God. Amen? How many of you, many of you, and I know you, how many of you are married? Raise your hand if you're married. All right. Okay, great. Pleasing your mate is important to you, is it not? I would hope so. (laughs) I would hope so. Pleasing them is important to you. So just imagine, and what you feel when you please them, how God feels. We get a lot of our emotions and things from God. That's where we get it from. So when God, when you find pleasure in something, know that God also finds pleasure in things. He finds pleasure. And when we please him, he finds pleasure in that. And it says that this thing displeased him. So David, for sleeping all day, not being where he was supposed to do, compromises now he compromises so much and I didn't get into that part of the story so much he compromises so much that that he sets it up to have her husband killed now that's that's taking it that's really taking it far you know because you Uriah won't go into her when David sends for him he sleeps at the door so now David's got to come up with a new plan And he puts him in the front of the battle and Uriah dies. So, and now when all of this is said and done, he marries Bathsheba. And the Lord goes, I'm displeased. I'm displeased about this. So he lost the pleasure of the Lord. And then in 2 Samuel 12, 11 and 12, it says, thus says the Lord. Now this was the cost because Nathan comes to comes to David and they go through this you know the little sheep or the little lamb parable and David you know David's indignant that man shall die hmm and Nathan says you the guy oh now what but as we go along through those chapters it says thus says the Lord behold I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. David just lost peace in his house. How many of you know peace in your house is real important? Peace in your house is real important. You don't want your house in upheaval. Amen? And David's house goes into upheaval. This is what it cost him. Then it says, I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your your wives in the sight of this son for you did it secretly but I will do this thing before all Israel before the son so there's no hiding it you know like there was no hiding that Cain killed Abel it was on his forehead God's going to do this in front of everybody so all of Israel knows so the cost here is his peace in his household his wives and to a certain extent if you think about it his position in the community because now everybody knows what the king has done 
everybody knows. He was busy trying to hide it by getting him killed and all this other stuff and making all these maneuverings. But God goes, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to let everybody know what you just did. So to a certain extent, and that's why, you know, we got the story of Absalom comes along and gives him all kinds of grief. Now, Absalom doesn't respect him, doesn't respect his father. I mean, it just, this compromise cost David well down the line. Amen? So, and then when we look at Saul, what did it cost Saul when he compromised? And that's in 1 Samuel 13, 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept the, what the Lord commanded you. So Saul loses his kingdom for the compromise. He loses it totally. But the gracious thing, again, about our God is he doesn't kill him and he doesn't take him out of place. He lets it go. There are times when he's chasing David all through the hills and the valleys and David could kill him. And David goes, oh, no, not me. I'm not touching God's anointed. Are you kidding? No, 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 no. God has to deal with that. God has to deal with that. And God does through time. But David doesn't take it into his hand. But that's the gracious God that we serve. And I talked to you a little bit about Ezekiel lying on his side, tongue stuck to his mouth so that he can't speak because God doesn't want him to change what he has to say to the people. So Ezekiel lays on his side and his tongue is stuck to the roof of his mouth so he can't say he wants God is doing this to show Israel something. And we get into the high places and dead bones and all this other stuff. Ezekiel's prophecies are something to see. But that's the God that we serve because God is saying, okay, you've compromised. Israel has compromised in the book of Ezekiel. They've compromised because they're not going to Jerusalem to worship where God has said to worship. They're going to the high places, the convenient places. And then they compromise that by having some other gods up there with them. And they're going to worship them and praise them. And now the cost is coming. God is telling them what this is going to cost them in Ezekiel. And before I finish, let me tell you something about this teaching. I had something totally different ready to go. It was, to me, I'm always amazed when the Lord decides to intervene when I'm planning a teaching. Pastor called me because the rest of y'all turned him down. Yeah, Jolly, I'm looking at you. And I was like last on the list. Yeah, that one back there too, Miss Keith. I was last on the list. Good thing I don't I don't feel no way about that, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I didn't feel any way about that. Pastor goes, Can you teach while I'm away? I went, sure, okay, I got something. Wednesday. Something new comes. And the first thing that came was the convenience piece of it. And, you know, Phyllis and I are laughing as usual. And we were talking about my cornbread story. I was like, oh, yeah, I can use that again. And so we laughed about that. And I go home and the teaching literally writes itself when I get home. Now, 
for those of you who don't know, we don't know how to go home on Wednesday night. <laughs> I got home, it was after 10 o'clock Wednesday night. All right? And the teaching starts to write. Now, I have a choice. I'll remember, Lord. That's happened to me before. The Lord woke me one morning, gave me a teaching, start to finish, scriptures, everything. It was beautiful. I went, I'll remember. I woke up and not remembered a word. <laughs> to this day, I have not remembered a word of that teaching. I, I know it's not any of the ones I've ever done. I know that. This teaching had just something. I was like, wow, this is great. This is wonderful. Oh, Lord, yes. And I turned over and went to sleep. I was like, I know I'm going to remember it when I wake up. At least the scripture to build a foundation. I have remembered not a word of that teaching in all these years. I've learned from that mistake. When the Holy Spirit says start writing, I start writing. No matter where I am, no matter what time it is. I have pulled over on the side of the road, got out my phone, pulled up the memo, and dropped in what I had at the time. Well, with this one, like I said, it's after 10 o'clock, the teaching starts writing itself. I get it all out, I go to bed. What do you think happened? 4.15, I work every day. <laughs> at 4.15 a.m. Thursday, the Lord goes, here's the conclusion. I go, okay. So I wake up, put on my glasses, turn on the light, grab a pen and a piece of paper and I start writing I was like okay is that it can we go back to sleep now you know so after about 45 minutes it's now 5 a.m. it's like okay I turn off the light I turn over and I go to sleep now of course I don't really sleep that well because I'm like yeah 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 at my clock goes off at 7 at 5 to 7 I drop into a dreamless sleep <laughs> and the clock goes off and the clock goes off I get up I get ready and I go to work amen I go to work because that's how sometimes the Lord will work he's going to work that way how many of you know that quarter, to, quarter after four is not the most convenient time for me especially when I just went to bed a little bit after 11, 12 o'clock, after we sat down and wrote, you know, quarter after four, he had something more to say. And I didn't want to forget it because it was for you. It was for you. Amen? Amen. So I say that to say that when the Lord calls, sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be inconvenient. But most, most of the time it is. It's inconvenient. Because you're in the middle of something. You got something else on your mind. But don't compromise because you don't want the cost. The cost. Don't let convenience lead you to compromise what God has said because it will cost you. It can cost you relationships. You know, God says, call somebody. You don't call them. Mm, that can cost you that relationship. It can cost you time. How many of you know that it will cost you time? 
it will cost you twice as much time sometimes when you compromise. It'll take you twice as long to do something. <laughs> Mr. Lamar, like I said, don't be scared. The sprinkler story, how about that? It takes you twice as long, and then you're soaked on top of it, see? I told you, don't be scared. Then you're soaked. So now, not only are you soaked, you got to take time to go in the house and change all your clothes. Whereas if you had just taken the couple of minutes it would take you, you're done. Amen? So it's going to cost you time. It can cost you money. My umbrella story cost me money and time. Goo gobs of money to get the car, to get the car fixed. But it didn't quite cost me as much as Mr. Les tried to say. <laughs> you don't have to pull up all that carpet. I rebuke you. <laughs> Brand new car and I got to pull up all the carpet in. Are you kidding? No. My God is going to help me here. <laughs> Even though I was crazy, you know, he's going to help me there. So it can cost you money. It will cost you blessings because you're not in the right place at the right time where God has ordained where the blessing is to come from because you compromised. You weren't in the fellowship with the believers where someone had a word for you from God, where, you know, they were laying hands on someone and the healing power of God was present. It says Jesus said the power was there to heal them all, but only one person got healed. Amen? So it can cost you those blessings. Revelations. I can't, I, that one just, for me, stuck. Because the, whenever I teach, I believe they are revelations from God. And if I am not careful with that, if I compromise that, then I miss those revelations. He's gracious, and it'll come back, something will come back around, but that one might not, and I've missed it. Amen? You can, uh, it'll cost you power that you won't, you won't be able to operate in the power and authority of God, and it can possibly cost you your relationship. To God, as it did with Saul. Saul lost his kingdom. David lost the pleasure of the Lord. Amen. So it can sometimes cost you your relationship with God. And many of you know that Satan will wear you out with that. When something happens, he'll say, Oh, you can't you can't go to God. Oh no, he doesn't want to hear from you. He doesn't want to see you. He'll wear you out with that. And that compromise will take you further and further and further away. Because you compromise here, you compromise there, you compromise there. And it can take you further and further out of your relationship with God. Amen? So let's not look to convenience and compromise when God tells us, this is what I want you to do. Let's, as Mr. Keyes said, celebrate that God has asked you to do something, that you are part of the plan that he has. Let's celebrate it, whether, you know, it's 4.15 in the morning or whether it's, oh, I just got home from work and he's going to go out and do something. 
and you're like, I'm so tired. I had such a hard day. You know, let's celebrate that God is saying, I want you to be part of my plan. Amen. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word that came forth. We thank you, Father God, that we are going to be a people that doesn't compromise, that we're not going to be about our ease, but we are going to be about your word and the plan that you have for us and that we will glory in it. We will celebrate it. We will lift up our hands. We will give you thanks for the fact that you have chosen us as to be your family, to be your sons and daughters. You have chosen us to pour your power and authority into us, to go into all the world and tell them God sent his only begotten son because you loved him. We glory in it, Father God. We look to you always in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, Marguerite, I believe. Is it you this week? Okay. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, always such a blessing to be before you and to just thank God for all that we have heard today. Um, our praise and worship that we have just been able to fellowship together. Um, it's always a joy for me. And then to hear the word coming forth to uh, remind us um, about the cost of convenience and that we should not compromise. And there's just so much in there. And I just thank God for these teachings that show us how to really be ahead of what the enemy wants to do to us. Um, he wants to, uh, to take us out. He wants to uh, make things really awful for us. And God wants the best for us. He wants to bless us and all these things. And so um, I just greet you this morning and those by watching by way of the Internet. I hope that you have uh, just fully taken advantage of what you've heard and the experience today. Um, I'd like to say to all to check your bulletins. We have a lot in the bulletins that will be um, some of just very enjoyable. We have a church picnic coming up and different things in the bulletin that we ask you to check your bulletin and uh, make sure you avail yourselves of that. Um, this morning, um, I just like I said, just like to praise God. Any time that I get the chance to do that, I just like to praise him and worship him for all that he has done. And I ask that each of you, um, just in your prayer time this week, uh, if you would just keep my aunt um, in Florida in prayer. She, Her son had been ill um, for a couple of weeks, and um, on Friday morning he got up and went out to his car, and he didn't get to go anywhere. Uh, he was My aunt was called uh, to the car. And he had passed away in the car. So um, she is a believer. And I just uh, ask that in your prayer time and when you think about uh, the situation, just pray that the peace of God would just be all around her um, so that she can she will not see him anymore in this life. But she can just thank God for his peace that's surrounding her. And keeping her strong and to do the things that she needs to do in this life so that, um, and we all know that we will see Jesus and we'll see him face to face. And that's something that, uh, no one can take from us. We'll see loved ones that we loved here. We'll see them again. So, um, we just thank God that as a believer, we have that hope that we don't sorrow as the world sorrows, 
but we know that God has, he has us just surrounded. And um, I just ask you that as my prayer family. Go the rest of the day, enjoy uh, this beautiful day that we have and the week coming up. Just allow the things that we've heard and experienced today to bless you. Thank you.